Hi, folks. Steve Urban here, founder and CEO at RiderFlex. We hope you enjoy today's podcast. And as a reminder, please subscribe to the RiderFlex show for updates on new episodes. And by the way, if you haven't already, check out the book we recently launched, The RiderFlex Guide, Inspiring and Hiring, available for purchase on Amazon. And now a quick word from our sponsor. Try the number one marketing platform for small business. Everything you need from design to marketing to CRM. Learn more at marketing360.com. Marketing 360, fuel your brand. You got short You got short sleeve on, man. What did it, it must have got up to 30 today in Colorado. What's the temperature? 25. Whoa, it's warm compared to the last two days, right? <laughs> it was, yeah, earlier this week, it was like, yeah, like seven one day. So. <laughs> Bro, you look like you lost some weight, man. What are you like, thirty pounds lighter? What, what's going on with you? Did you lose some weight? Damn, I don't know about that. No, I think I'm actually heavier than I was before. <laughs> are you sure? I thought you. I I'm think pretty you, positive, but I, I whatever. I'll take the compliment for sure. Okay, well, I don't know. I <laughs> from what I remember, you're looking good. Well, thank you very much. Maybe they'll like cut up the t-shirt or something like that. You know, more flat <laughs> I, flat I like it. Body oh, style. Yeah. I like that. Now that's not y'all. You don't have that's not your t-shirt, is it? You don't do t-shirts yet, I don't think. No, no, not ours. Not yet. With t-shirts anyway. It's funny that we. Uh, I I sometimes serve as a stand-in fit model for some of our products. Uh, uh, yeah, um, I like it. <laughs> I don't know if that's because we're well. I love our products, but at the same time, I'm also like, like, yeah, we want we need somebody. We like using you because you like are a representative of our like uh, soft body customer. And I'm like. <laughs> Soft body. Soft body. So, is that the term? Soft body? I think that's their nice way of saying like, yeah, you're not a, <laughs> not a jack. Because the other term they use is hard body. Either you're a hard body oh, or a soft body. And I'm I in the see. soft body category. I'm, uh, I'm thinking I'm going to be in the soft body category myself. <laughs> uh, it gets harder. It gets harder, by the way. I'm 55. And uh, damn, bro, I was I was skinny until 40 right like up until 40 i mean i could just eat whatever i wanted i, I you know didn't matter right yeah and after 40 then i was like oh okay it's getting a little and after 50 tch, shit you can even go yeah, on a yeah. diet and you go on a diet and you're still gaining weight <laughs> <laughs> i know i i actually feel like the uh the hardest thing for me is having kids because i'm like okay all that time that i like okay I, i'm i know age is for sure a factor yeah. And I'm like, I don't know, you know, the difference between when I, you know, had kids and didn't, or just being like, okay, or, you know, 30 versus 35 now. I'm like, I think it's really though, it's the two kids and the, uh, like every ounce of my time and energy that's available that I, I ordinarily would have used for working out at least in part. Right. Well, that, that's exactly what happens. How old are the kids now? One and three. Oh shit. Yeah. You're busy. Oh, damn. Yeah. Okay. At least yeah. you don't have. Well, you had, I bet you had two in diapers for a while or did you miss the, or did that, was there? Let's see. I think yes. For like a short period for a couple months, we had diapers. Okay. That's two months is not too bad. Uh, two months yeah. is not too bad. No. All right. Three and one boy, girl. What, what was this? Both, it... both boys, both All very right. energetic, tons yeah. of fun, tons of work. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're right. Once you have kids it's it's a completely different life it really is for for the next you know 18 to 20 years that's your entire focus you know whether it's activities or whatever right yeah i feel like i'm i reflect on like wow i'm like i used to have so much time like, <laughs> i used to and in the like back then i was like i don't have any time to do anything and i'm like you know now from the moment my eyes wake up open until like mm -hmm. the moment the kids are either dropped off at daycare or, you know, my wife takes them out the door. It's just hectic, you know, like all of the stuff to get up, get dressed, make, get food, teeth brushed, dress, get yourself ready, like nonstop. And you're like, <laughs> oh my God, I have like this now very finite period of time to right. get what I need done because I'm bookended for sure. Like once, once the like, train comes home we're right back on that like <laughs> and when you have a one and three year old you can't really work i mean you, you maybe you can take a phone call here and there but if you think you're going to sit down at your laptop and like get quality work done with a one and three year old at home it's super hard very difficult impossible I agree. <laughs> what's your what's your wife do 
she's a commercial uh, designer at like a very large uh, international architecture and design studio called uh-huh. Gensler. So she oh. does a lot of work for Gensler. I know, I know the company. Aren't they based in DC somewhere? Uh, I think, I think their like main office I thought was San Francisco, oh, but I okay. do think they have a situation where they have like co CEOs, and I feel like one maybe is in DC and one is in think, San Francisco. Uh, I think we Might pitched that. Yeah, I think I pitched them at one point a few years back uh, in DC. Yeah, but I know who you're talking about though. Also, oh, she, she, but she works remotely, obviously. Then, or does she? Uh, she's they're they're like largely back in the office. I forget like what they you know they have require some number of days, but I think she feels like she can get a lot more done when she's in there. So she she's in the office most days of the week. Now, isn't that interesting? People with little kids sometimes actually prefer to go to the office because it's super hard to work remotely, uh, right? So yeah, I, I I get it. So they have an office in Denver. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you guys. We, by the way, we're already rolling, so we're just we're rolling here. Uh, what, uh, how did you guys meet? Tell me again. Uh, and how, and how long you've been married? Tell me the story there. Oh my gosh. It's kind of a wild story. We, um, we were both in this like really cool, special class in college together. It's like, you have to be invited to it. It's a year long and, and these, um, executives like come in and tell you about some sort of moral dilemma that they faced in their career. Uh, you kind of get this like brief, like, here's what I was faced with. What would you do okay. in my shoes? And then you kind of have to present like, you know, what you do and your, your thinking and logic behind it. It's okay. leadership challenges, the like namesake of Michael Leeds of the uh, Leeds School of Business, like was co-teaching it alongside a really talented professor. And um, so it was this like really unique opportunity, like a year long where you kind of got to know really a very like small group of people. I want to say there was like, maybe 15 students in the class something like that all right um from like the whole from like every you know major within the um within the business school and so we got to know each other kind of over the course of the year um she actually had a boyfriend most of the year and so i was kind of like okay she's she's really cool really interesting but uh, you know off limits and then at some point i like kind of i kind of found out that they had broken up and I, I swept in and she felt similarly, fortunately, and we've been together ever since. So that was like, nice. We started dating in 2010 and here we are now. Married, oh, okay. All right. Married seven years now, maybe eight years this year. Are you from, I'm trying to remember, were you from the West Coast originally? Where are you from? Where'd you grow up? I can't remember. I was born in Casper, Wyoming. Okay. Like an area probably most people don't know, right? Center of this, the rectangle. Uh-huh. And then I uh, lived there for about 10 years. My family had, you know, homesteaded out there and cool. like has been there since like the late 1800s. Oh, nice. So, deep family roots in Wyoming. Um, but eventually my my dad was just, I mean, that's my dad's side of the family. He just kind of got tired of it. And we moved to Arizona when I was 10, lived in Phoenix for, you know, about 10 years. And then um, moved up here for college and I've been here ever since. Here being Boulder. <laughs> Interesting. Now, does your family have that uh, whole Yellowstone kind of like, uh, you know, they came out to Wyoming, uh, you know, Irish from the Irish from Wyoming and homesteaded. Do they they have that kind of similar Danish, though? Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Although I have to say, I, you know, from what I've heard about the show, this is a here's a this is going to be a a pretentious point between my wife and I, but uh, (laughs) I actually haven't seen the show and I'm sure I would love it. That's yeah, kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got into it. My wife was like same same thing. My wife's like, you need to watch this. I'm like, I'm not really, I don't watch a lot of TV, right? But uh, she's like, no, you need to watch this with me. I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah I kind of like it. <laughs> yeah, I, I see. I'm the opposite. I'm like, I would love it. Cowboys, I don't know, yeah. violence, whatever it's about. I literally, I have almost no context. I'm just like, you know, Wyoming <laughs> ranchers. I'm in. But my wife is not into that type of like violent show, and so oh, she whispers that, and so uh, I'm like, if I start it. I'm going to be watching it like by, by myself oh, over the yeah, course of the next six or seven years on the like odd nights. It's like just me watching TV. Like I've, I've been watching Narcos. Like there's like what three seasons, four seasons. It's I've been she watching won't. It for eight years at this point. I'm still not. <laughs> Cause she won't watch it. She will not watch. <laughs> she it. She won't watch it. Uh, that's so funny. You mentioned that. Uh, so when I was coming down here to Oklahoma to deal with this rental property and, the, and travel trailer, I was like, Kim, you coming? Kim's like, no, no. I'm not going you just go down and take care of it so she's at home 
and she's been at home now for about seven days by herself. She goes, this is so nice. I can just eat whatever I want for dinner. I can turn on the TV when I want to relax before I go to bed. And I don't have to talk to you about what we're watching. I can just do whatever I want. <laughs> uh, and I'm like, yeah. what, what? I'm like, you're making it sound like I'm controlling, like I'm trying to control everything, you know, which is not true. But anyway, give my wife a hard time. No, but it's just that you guys are both probably just comp regularly compromising. Yes. Trying to make, yeah, trying to find the nice, like average show, the nice average. Yeah. Yeah. And I need that, you know, I'm not, like I said, I just need the, usually what I need is like 30 minutes with maybe a little glass of bourbon or some wine. Just like, I just need that. I need that 30 minutes, 30, 45 minutes, like before bed, just to kind of get my mind, try to get my mind off of work for a minute so I can just kind of, you know, escape for a little yeah. bit. I just kind of need that. I need that. I, I like, you know, uh, if not, if not, I'm just going to work until i go to bed which is then i, yeah. don't, then I don't i actually do think that like transitionary moment is really i've found that to be really important because like yeah. the day yeah. is like so hectic and you know you and your own business like the day could never end if you don't put some sort of stop on it like no doubt like, I love what i do like i could keep if i didn't have kids i would i would probably work until dinner was ready or until i ordered something and then i would yep. uh i don't know do something like that right before i got to bed when you're I uh, found like yeah. the, the cooking moment, like cooking food to be really valuable for that. Like, yes. Agreed. It's, it's work. It's something, but it's like, you know, really like kind of peaceful transition moment between like work, agreed. work, and then you know, your family time. So especially if you got a little music playing with a little glass of wine and you're music wine, that's exactly what it looks like in the house. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if peaceful is the word I would use because there's also usually like toys being thrown around. <laughs> Uh, you know, it, it's so true when you're a co-founder or owner or even an executive of the business, you know, you're never done, right? The, the word done and finished really don't exist. The word stopping for the, you know, stopping for the day exists, but you're never like finished. You know, I, I always give my wife hell about that. She'll be like, are you finished? I'm like, what does that mean? Like, I'm never, there's, there is no finish. My list is forever. So I could just keep going but if you're asking me if i'm stopping for the day yes i'm stopping for the day <laughs> that is very well said uh, you know because it's it's on and on and on and on right if you're uh because um you're you and chris were co-founders right is can you remind me okay yeah yeah that's what i thought uh, how come you don't put co-founder on your linkedin because it's just no big deal to you you don't care about that it doesn't matter you just have cmo on there I'm just curious i do yeah, that's what it says. CMO. Yeah, it doesn't say co-founder and CMO. That's so interesting. You know, I think very. I, I actually I should put it on there. I I mean to have it on there. Um, there was a a brief period when we started Shinesty where I was like, almost anyone could could start a business. Not everyone can be the chief marketing officer of a company, yeah. and I kind of thought that like you know, by putting it and saying like, Hey, I, this is a title that I have to grow into and kind of forcing, you know, I was a co-founder. I did it. I started a company, right? It, like for all intents and purposes, I could, you know, kind of check. Which is a big deal, which is a big deal, <laughs> which is a big deal. I mean, you know, you know, starting a company and growing a company and, you know, making yeah. sure that it's going to be a, a lasting business is a different thing, but the whole thing about giving yourself a, a title that, you know, some people take decades and decades to earn mentally i kind of wanted to fast track that i'm like if I, this is the title that i am committing to i need to bring myself up to this level much more quickly and so i think you know maybe putting that on there and kind of forcing myself to operate at a level that i i hadn't previously and, and needed to very quickly especially as we started to have investors and employees yeah. and more people you know kind of riding on success I like that. No, that's a good, that's a great idea. No, I I love. I that. should add it back though. I'm incredibly, incredibly, you know, proud and fortunate to have co-founded this business with Chris. Um, I actually thought I did have it on there, but no doubt. I mean, nine. So it's been what has it been? Nine years? Ten years? Uh, nine? it's gonna be yeah, nine nine years this year. Fourteen six. Nine years this year. Yeah. I mean, hey, congratulate. I mean, hey, you started a business, and it's still alive nine years later. You know, the longer you keep your business as a founder, you, you, you grow into a more special category, right? Because it's super hard one, two, three years. You know, I can't remember what percentage of businesses fell in the first three years, but it's huge. And then, you yeah, know, I feel like you hear like it's like 
75, 80% of businesses. Yeah. Yeah. It's like no, 85 no or 90% of businesses within five years or something like that. So it's, yes. yeah, it's, it's no small feat. Oh man. Congratulations. How do you mind sharing? I know you can't share everything because it's a private company, but uh, maybe general size at this point, like maybe how many employees, I don't know if you want to share revenue, but like what, how big is the company? Yeah, we're kind of, we're like, I'm, I'm happy to share some, some broad strokes. I mean, you know, we're in the like mid eight figure range and okay. we have about, you know, 70 ish employees. We operate our own distribution center. So that's kind of almost like a business and a model nice. in and of itself. Yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, we're, we're really proud of that. Like, I mean, been bigger before we've also been smaller before and, you know, we're feel good about where we're at. That's great. But yeah, I don't want to go down too big of a rabbit hole here, but why do you uh, doing your own distribution? It just works. I'm sure you've run the math upside down, inside out, sideways, whether or not to ship from California or whatever. It just works to bring it into Colorado and then ship it there. Or where are you shipping it from? Where's your distribution? Uh, we're shipping it. We're all out of Denver. Um, all out of Denver. Aside okay. from like the, the few products we send to like Amazon fulfillment services. But uh we kind of got there by virtue of when we started, we started with a, of vintage products and originally we were kind of like, you know, like a vintage business, like, you know, yeah. flipping, you know, one-off fines um, for various theme parties and events throughout the year. But what it meant was we had this like unique uh, inventory situation where everything was one-on-one and there were a lot of individual products and we also then, you know, realized, hey, the way to scale a business like this, even when we very quickly, you know, we relatively quickly got out of doing, you know, just vintage stuff. That's a very hard model to scale. But yes, we were still like selling, you know, stuff for this theme party or this event. St. Patrick's Day, Valentine's Day, Mardi Gras, Derby, Fourth of July, Halloween, Christmas, New Year's, like, and then getting into tailgate season and, you know, NFL license, NCAA tailgating licenses, things like that. And so the way to scale those businesses was to, you had to have more holidays throughout the year and events. And then you had to have more products for every one of those. Cause like not everyone wants a, you know, wild and crazy, you know, suit. Some people want a shirt. Some people want a t-shirt. Some people want a button down. Some people want a long sleeve button down. Some people want shorts. Some... And so you had this like huge, and then you have sizes when you're in apparel. And what ended up happening is you just have this huge proliferation of SKUs oh, yeah. that made it a lot more, yep. uh, cost effective to manage internally it would have been kind of a nightmare to put all of that at a 3pl yeah gotcha and we okay. and we just kind of grew into it organically and at a certain point we're like oh like we just you know we started on our own we got a little more sophisticated there was maybe a brief point where we, maybe we could have swapped to a 3pl but we kind of pushed through that and and just became experts in it and now it's actually a pretty major advantage to have it in-house but are you bringing, uh, uh, I may have asked you this last time, are you bringing gray goods in and then dyeing and finishing in LA or are you bringing in total finished goods from overseas? I can't remember what you're doing. Finished goods from overseas. Yeah, we produce uh, all over. Okay. They, they do it all, Asia. all the way, finished finished all the way. And then you're right. bringing, it, uh, bringing it into Long Beach and then shipping it to your place or they ship it, what are you doing? Yeah, more or less. Yeah, it yeah. arrived. I, I don't know exactly which ports we use offhand. That's a little bit discipline. I try to like put my blinders on too. But <laughs> we have great operational folks who, who make sure it gets here. And you're like, you're like, hey man, the right I'm, cost I'm, targets. I'm the marketing guy. Why are you asking me to distribute? Yeah. Questions? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, the product gets here and it's basically ready to sell when it arrives. <laughs> very cool. Uh, uh, very good. Are you um? Are you marketing? and design in, in production or you got somebody for design and production we have yeah we have a design does not fit under the marketing umbrella here like okay. at market at, at shinesty uh marketing is essentially like the direct consumer sales function and content function okay. uh, the actual creative like what the product looks like what the prints are mm -hmm. uh the graphic design stuff that actually sits under our really talented uh, chief creative officer ali who's been with us for basically since the beginning at this point and um, oh so she's grown into her spot too then she's been into her spot too yeah i mean i think she came in maybe like call it maybe a year maybe two after we started something like that but she's been here for a very long time you know she's yeah. really been the champion of the like brand aesthetic and the prints and everything like that isn't that so great to have that value in institutional knowledge not only institutional knowledge from a process and function perspective but the relationship with you and chris and just the human element because you know each other so well like okay 
I can tell she's in a bad mood today, or I can tell he's in a grumpy mood, or whatever, right? All that matters, right? It does. I mean, it's easy to, it, it can in some ways be easy to take for granted, but you're like, oh my gosh, like you come to rely on these people and the amount of stuff that they take over and they just know how to do. Um, and obviously like if, if you've worked with someone that long, you, you generally have a pretty good working relationship, I would say. Um, so we feel really fortunate, especially, you know, with the people we still have several folks who, you know, were within the first, like, you know, five, seven people who joined well, us. That's wonderful. You know, uh, Brianna, who is our VP of ops and marketing for RiderFlex, our recruiting firm, uh, she started with me. It was me, Scott, and Brianna wa- went to high school with my youngest son. And when we first started RiderFlex, I put out like a Facebook post for local people in Johnstown, Colorado. I was like, hey, I need like some administrative help to like, you know, do shit. And uh, Spencer's like, hey, what, are, you know, what about Brianna? I was like, oh, okay yeah sure and she just you know she was helping with miscellaneous just stuff right like i you know post this or mail this here we are seven years later she is has grown all the way into she handles all of operations she handles all of marketing so very much uh like what you were saying she she just grew into the position from a function perspective but the other value is she knows me right like if something's going down or she sees an email or whatever, she'll, she will be like, okay, I know this is, I know Steve's going to be pissed off about this. So let me just call him right now and make sure I settle him down. You know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, I love that. I, I think there's something really special about that. I've, I feel like I've learned in hindsight, but like, if you look at that in the same way that like, you know, founders take a, a crazy trajectory as individuals, like yes. early employees, I think have something very similar where, totally. yep. you know, at least for us, like we didn't have huge budgets to hire people who'd done it before. Like right. the guy who is now our creative director for content started, it was his first job out of college. <laughs> Person who runs all of internal operations. Um, we, you know, we could only afford to hire her part-time to start and she was willing to take it on like a part-time hourly basis, even though she was way more qualified than that. that is and cool. that's great. People who kind of like got the mission, who wanted to be part of the growth, who never kind of have, have been scared to, they've never backed down from a challenge and they've always been willing to take on the next thing and learn and grow. Like when I look at the number of like early stage employees and like the percent of them that have just, you know, risen to the challenge, not just in year one or one to two or two to four, but like who are with us now, you know, almost nine years later, it's pretty incredible. I mean, that's really incredible. And it speaks volumes to you and Chris and your, your people skills, your EQ and your ability to make the all these folks feel part of it as they grew. I mean, that's that's huge, man. Especially in today's world, and we're in the recruiting business, right? So I know the average employee quits between one and three years. I mean, the average turnover right now in America, especially for people under 50 years old, is between one and three years. And people just quit jobs left and right like it's no big deal. Loyalty is like, whatever. They don't know. There are not, you know? And so uh, that's huge. Yeah, congratulations, man. 70 employees. Uh, eight digits, uh, long-term employees that grew with you from the beginning. Nice. Congratulations. Uh, very Thank good. You very much. Are you, remind me, have you taken on, what, what was the cash that did you, uh, you bootstrapped it from the beginning? Did you take on early cash? Have you taken on any recent cash and are you going to raise cash? Give me the, give me that whole overview. Yeah, no, we, um, you know, Chris and I started when we were just like a couple years out of college. We didn't have deep savings to, to, dip into. So we, we raised money. We raised uh, <laughs> several smaller rounds and kind of pieced them together. Like 10 uh, grand, like 10 grand here and there. It, closer to that than you might think in some cases, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we have raised money, you know, we have a cap table, we have a board, we have investors, okay. um, right. but right. we haven't, you know, we really made the push. We, last time we raised was in 2019. And then in 2020, we, you know, made a lot of changes to become profitable and kind of in our own destiny and we've been profitable ever since. And so good, great. We don't have any, we don't have any uh, near term needs, needs to raise money. Um, we also fortunately by virtue of becoming profitable by virtue of kind of expanding from some of our legacy product lines, which were a little harder for lenders to wrap their heads around uh, to underwear, which is much more, which is our kind of largest category. 
and a much easier category for for people to wrap their heads around. We've been able to get some of the working capital and and you know debt instruments that that helped us continue to grow and and not have to you know do finance working capital through raises. Have, have you taken on any institutional stuff? You know, any VC or PE or only like angels and family office type deal? Mostly just like yeah, angel angel investors. There's a couple like VC firms, you know, like seed funds and things like that. But predominantly okay. angel investors and. Just you guys, uh, you and are you and Chris still in control of the cap table? I don't know. Um, <laughs> I mean, are you majority? Like, if, if you and Chris vote and say we want to do this, can you be outvoted, or if you, do you and Chris have voting control? Um, I will say we have a very supportive uh, board, and okay. generally, it's never been contentious. It's, it's never really been super contentious. So, All right. um. We've never had to have any sort of like real showdowns of voting power. Which is, <laughs> um, well, you, you which I think it's the nice thing about like, you know, not that we set out to only raise money from from that type of investor, but we have investors who are patient, who you know see the value in sustainable growth, and therefore we haven't had to make any sort of like there haven't been any crazy power struggles or like you know huge. Well, that's good. I differences mean, differences in opinion on how how we should grow and how fast and whatnot. That's good. I mean, you know, we've had a shit ton of people from Boulder and Colorado on the Riderflex show, and uh, that topic comes up. You know, I've had, uh, I'd say it's a 50 50 split when people borrow money and they have to give up control of the cap table. When they lose, you know, if somebody else takes over 51%, I've had a lot of people say, hey, look, I got a great VC partner and it's the best thing we ever did, and we were able to scale the company, blah, blah, blah. I've had about 50% of the people say, holy fucking shit, man. It's the worst thing I ever did. I lost control of the company. They're assholes now. They were great when I was beginning. Yeah. So I've seen both. <laughs> I, I've also I've also heard both. And, you know, <laughs> you know, I think <laughs> if you don't get along with the people that you work with, especially at that level or that you, you know, ultimately report to, like, that's tough. That's tough. That, you know. That'd make a hard job unenjoyable yeah if you can if you're listening uh you know my advice based on all the people that have been on the show would be try really hard if you can to take money from people that you've known for a while or that you know pretty well you know just just going out to san francisco and taking money from a vc firm that you've known for like three weeks you know it's just boy you know scary you know you know, you need to know who you're crawling in bed with because literally, I mean, you're going to be in bed with them, you know, and uh, so you got to be careful. Um, but hey, you've you've grown the business pretty damn well for not taking on huge amounts of money. I mean, that's that's another big factor. Um, have you had? Uh, I'm sure, you've had some phone calls from people. Hey, you guys for sale? You guys want to sell this thing? I'm sure you've had. I'm sure you get calls. We do get calls. We do get calls and offers. Um, uh, haven't gotten the call or the offer, I will say. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, I mean, we've been in it for a while, but, you know, we love what we do. So we're in no rush uh, to change anything material on that end. Um, yeah, good. Obviously, we have raised money. We have a lot of our close friends and family that, you know, have investments in this company. So at some point we'd like to make sure they get a really nice return on their money, but um, you know, we're in a, we're in a tricky part of the cycle. Most likely um, we also see, you know, a ton of avenues for, you know, growth in the company and, oh, and yeah. some really big opportunities for us. So we also don't want to do anything preemptively when we still, I feel like we've got a lot of fuel in the tank. Same answer me and Scott give, you know, we, every once in a while, we'll, we'll, we're not, we're not nearly as big as you guys are, but we're uh, uh, into a few million dollars a year now as a recruiting firm. So once you get up to two, three, four million dollars a year, then you get a few phone calls and people always be like, are you, you know, would you be interested in selling it? And I'm like, Hey, look, here's a, here's my short answer. It's always for sale if, if for the right number. So I'm happy to have, <laughs> I'm happy to have a conversation, <laughs> but I'm not, I don't, I'm not, I don't have a pitch deck prepared to like send you or anything. I'm not on a road show to try to sell. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and same thing. We're just having fun. We're having fun doing it. You know, Scott and I talk about that and uh, people always ask us, well, what's your plan? Are you, I'm like, look, here's the deal, man. I, we're having a great time running the company. 
It's fun to own a company and run it. We're building it. It's growing. That's cool. Uh, if we can keep doing that, I'm happy with that. If somebody wants to write me a big ass uh, retirement check, I, I'm happy to have that conversation too. <laughs> yeah, it's nice to not. It's nice to not feel in a rush. This is a I right. think Chris quote. He's like, "It's a lot better to get bought than to be sold." Um, <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Yeah, I, I that one like stuck with him. Good one. Um, yeah, and I think it just, there's so much truth to that. Like, you know, if someone gives you the right offer, great, but you know, hopefully you're not out there just actively trying to be sold. Hopefully you you have something that you love that, you know, gets you out of bed in the morning that if you have to work late at night, you're like, you're doing it for the right reasons. You enjoy it. So there's another great tip for the listeners. If you are doing something that you don't really love and that you're not passionate about and that you don't think is fun do something else. I mean, quit your job because for many years when I was young, I chased the title and I chased the dollar amount. And I didn't really worry about whether or not it was fun or whether or not I enjoyed it. Right. I didn't even think that way. I was just like, okay, how much more can I make so I can pay this mortgage on this house, blah, blah, blah. Now at this age, if I'm not having fun, I'm not doing it. I don't care what it pays. <laughs> I mean, you know, somebody could be like, hey, uh, close down RiderFlex and move to like Buffalo and be a CEO for 400 grand a year. I'd be like, uh, no, I don't think no. so. <laughs> yeah, there's something really interesting that like once you have, I mean, it's so true, right? At a certain level, like, you know, more money doesn't necessarily right. mean more it's happiness. Um, once a certain like threshold is met. Yes. And I think about that too. I'm like, Hey, if the main thing, you know, you have, if your kind of necessities are met is like your time and your time is so finite. Like I don't want to spend it doing tasks. I don't, I don't love. I don't want to spend it doing tasks that I don't think are going to like drive the business forward. I don't want to spend it sitting in traffic. I don't want to spend it doing anything that takes away from like the already, you know, finite amount of time I have in the mornings and evenings with my family. So, um, optimization of time becomes like way more important than money um, no doubt about it you said it perfectly time is critical and and after you reach a certain threshold i think i actually saw a stat on that i think across america on average once you once you reach 100 grand a year currently i mean we're recording this in 2023 it's all relative but once you reach 100 grand a year people start to get into like okay now I'm pat. Now now I know. Okay, I can pay insurance. I got health care. I got a decent car to drive. I have a decent house to live in. I got food, water, shelter, love. Okay, I'm, I'm good. Right, I'm I'm good. Yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah, I, I love those. That sounds about right because I think a couple of years ago it was in the like I want to say it was like lower than I thought. I'm like, oh, it was like seventy two thousand dollars, but that was also before several years of pretty that might be inflation. So I could see it being a lot higher. It is true though. You you're so right. I mean. Oh, did I? Oh, but I had to out of college now for you know fifteen years. But the number of friends I had that took jobs in you know it, you know industries that have a lot of capital to throw at people, but you know churn and burn them through. Like the number of people, I, almost nobody stuck with those big type of like consulting yep. roles, finance roles, oil and gas. Like a lot of the people who took the the job for the paycheck yep. burned out within you know, a couple of years. And then, you know, fortunately, I, most of the you know the five or six data points I'm thinking about in my head, I'm like, they have all landed in careers that they absolutely love and they have like amazing potential. But every one of those people was willing to take a huge step back to uh, find an industry or a role that they actually loved, even if it meant you know, less take home. And and have a life, you know, great work-life balance, you know. Yeah. Uh, you, know, you, know what I, you know, one of the things I love most about owning my own business I don't have to ask anybody, right? Like if I, if I want to go, if I want to get in my Jeep and go to the mountains on Friday afternoon, I don't have to call anybody. Get in your RV and go <laughs> yeah. to Oklahoma. To exactly. Yeah. exactly. <laughs> I don't have to ask anybody. I love that. I always tell my wife, I'm like, if I ever have to ask somebody again, if I can go on vacation, I'm going to stick needles in my eyeballs. Like I'm never, I'm never having, I'm no, no. Yeah. It's funny because it's it's not the reason I wanted to start a business, but it's now one of the reasons why I would the exact same way I wouldn't take another role. I would be like, no, well, I don't want to work for someone else. Like, no. I I like the flexibility. I like to flexibility is more valuable than I can put a number on. 
I actually, I was talking about Brianna earlier. I have a good, I have a funny story for you. Uh, last year, I think, because she's responsible for tracking like PTO hours and vacation hours for everybody. Yeah. She emails me. <laughs> she's like, I just want to let you know that you've, you know, you've reached your, your, your PTO, you know, hours for, for the year. And I, and I'm looking at it, I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> thank, thanks for the information. If I want to be off, I'm going to be <laughs> off. But thank you. <laughs> no, did I'll take that into consideration. Uh, yeah, it's so good. Oh man. Well, let's um let's talk about the, the product and the business here a little bit. So, you know, yeah. for the listeners, I know we've been I've been chatting with Jens, but uh let me make sure. Shinesty.com. Shinesty.com. By the way, I love your current header. Fuck off, Cupid. We got this. I love it. Now you don't have the word the letter U in there, but still, everybody knows. It's a yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's a brand. It's edgy. It's irreverent, but it also has kind of mainstay products. So it's definitely for people who have a sense of humor, even if they only want to wear black underwear at this point. Um, but yeah, we try to make make folks laugh every time, and we try to we we know we're not for everyone. We think the brands in the middle are where they go to die, and that headline is a perfect example. A great headline. I I love it. It's I mean, it's powerful. Tell uh, give people. A quick overview for anybody listening that may not know about the brand yet. I know you've done this a million times, but just give us like a three minute, you know, about Shinesty. Go for it. Yeah, we're an irreverent brand of apparel, primarily underwear at this point. It's about the softest, most supportive underwear. If you're a guy, it's the softest and most supportive underwear uh, you can buy. We've got a little thing that we call the ball hammock, which kind of just supports everything, makes you feel nice and nice and secure all day long. It's kind of, a, it's one of the game changing things that, if you haven't tried it, you should. Um, we also make women's underwear, which is just as comfortable and soft. And we are designers. I have to give them a ton of credit because the things that they put on the underwear, the designs, you, like you have to see it to believe it. I could try to describe them here and be like, what are you? Like, you should go to the site. You should experience them. There's so much devil in the details, but if prints aren't for you, you know, there's also the, the mainstay solids and things like that. Um, that's underwear has, you know, and, and kind of underwear adjacent products has, have been the main product story now for, you know, close to three or four years, probably. Um, but before that, and like, if you visit the site, you'd be like, whoa, there's like a lot more product categories than underwear. Um, and that's kind of speaking to, well, I refer to them as our like legacy product lines, but they're the ones that like, kind of, we initially got traction with and we initially started business, building the business around call them like apparel for theme parties and events, but it's everything that like might help you go out and have the best Christmas party of all time, the best you know time to tailgate. Um, and that's still a huge portion of the overall like products on the site. Um, like right now, for example, you got the Valentine's day stuff, St. Patrick's day. Uh, yep. Gotcha. I got gotcha. you. Uh, okay. So you still can do the themes, but you can also buy the everyday stuff and it's mainly underwear and related products. So, so, uh, underwears, bras, t-shirts, um, uh, but no, uh, robes I see. Um, okay. Um, what is the ski suits? What the hell is that? What is that? What do you mean? Ski suit? What is it? What is that? That's a, that's a sneaky little awesome category in there. I mean, they are like water resist, like high end, basically like, you know, performance materials, but they look like you know, some of the best patterns of ski suits you've ever, ski onesies, ski suits, whatever you want to call them, oh. ever like appeared in the 80s or 90s. Um, now so that's a all jump. these that's... Snowboarders, out, snowboarders out there. Uh, I'm looking at the photos online right now. Now that's a jump. That's kind of a jump for you, isn't it? Are, is that a, you're venturing off a little bit there? Uh, for the, the ski? ski? Yeah. That is actually one of the original product lines dating back oh. to like, even when we were first, oh. Oh. you know, first started out selling vintage only product. Ski okay. suits was one of the like very first categories because when we started out, we weren't really sure, hey, is it going to be this this uh, sort of theme party event or that theme party event? Is it going to uh, be uh, a ski suit or a windbreaker? Is it going to be okay. shorts versus T-shirts? And so we had this like huge like need for lots of different products within all of these different themes. And, you know, ski suits is one of, was one of the early leads. I mean, uh -huh. it's got a price point that really lets you make a great product and, you know, enough marketing dollars behind it to actually acquire someone. But that is, huh. those, those are actually one of the oldest product categories on the site. And if, if you're, not, if, if, if you're, deep. if you're up at Breckenridge and you see a shiny ski suit, you probably know because it's going to be funky colors. It's going to be loud. 
Is that right? <laughs> That's exactly right. Either you're like, I don't know, is Evil Knievel back? You got the USA <laughs> styles, or or most of them are kind of the like bright and tight, you know, neon neon throwbacks. Like oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. So you're selling a bunch direct to consumer on your website. Um, is, are we in retailers? Is it on Amazon? What are we doing there? Yeah, we're still predominantly direct through the website. People, I still think that's the best place to buy it. You know, there's the largest selection. We offer a really great subscription so people can kind of turn over their underwear drawer over time and get a really great deal on it. Um, that's that's really, really popular. Uh, but we also have a, an Amazon presence that's that's great. That's growing. And we are, you know, just starting to dip our toes into the wholesale side of the business. Oh, so, yeah. Where, where are you so far? Uh, if you want to look for our products, we are in... A number of Zoomies locations. We're actually in a, a, a group called Lions Den, which is a series of like adult stores. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. Lions Lions Den adult stores. Ad, Lions Den say- adult yeah. stores, which yeah. is kind of a crazy one, but that was like inbound. They've done really well there. Um, but you know, many many more to come. There's a lot of kind of lions getting put into the water across different like verticals from outdoor to department to. Uh, have you thought about opening up, uh, opening up a like your own little brick and mortar retail shop, maybe in Vegas? And we I'm, I'm also thinking, are thinking looking. Vegas. We're also looking into that. Uh, I would think Vegas it. would be not Vegas done would that be good. yet, but oh, okay. quite right. possibly could be a, a this year thing or early next year. If you get the right location, um, yeah, exactly. you know, or maybe uh, have you thought about a store within a store shop and in, in like. Uh, I don't know why I keep thinking that Vegas with your product, but but something like in an edgy shop where you have like a store within a store, like a, you have like a section. I love that. You know, if we found the right opportunity, I definitely think we'd be into that. Uh, it's it's interesting because it's like, it's not a, I mean, if we're talking underwear and like similar size accessories, you don't need a huge storefront, right? Right, like right. You want to have a, you know, yeah. 1500 yeah. square foot like mall store, like that's way too much space way for too a, much. Yep. a product. Yep. Like yep. people aren't going in and trying underwear on. Like you yeah. can't do that. You can't do that and put it back on the shelf. So you don't need a huge footprint for this type of product. Um, yeah. so store, store is a great idea. I love it. Uh, the the edginess of the brand, yeah, is really just speaks to who you are, right? Like that's. I mean, I'm sure the quality of the product is great. The designs are great, but but the edginess of the marketing, what Jens is responsible. I mean, it really just completely sets you apart from everybody else. Um, you are always pushing the envelope. Do you feel like you're always pushing the envelope? Are you always like, okay, I'm going to get up to the edge of the cliff, but I don't want to fall off like you? I do. I would say the creative team does a good job of like walking a pretty fine line. And every once in a while, I'll see something like, whoa, we put that out. Okay. All right. I guess we'll see. <laughs> I guess we'll see if our, uh, understanding of the guardrails uh, is accurate or if our definition needs to be expanded um so yeah you know every once in a while to find the line you have to go over it or under it and then like, oh, that was too soft or okay that was maybe have you ever how, how many oh. times have you walked through the design room or whatever and you're like you're like no we're not putting no veto uh well you know with the product team i actually don't do that i, I let the really talented minds over there there do that um on the marketing side, I would say like we also have a team that has just grown so much. You know, probably sixty percent of the like creative okay. marketing team. Okay, it's their first role out of college, but most of them, like I said, have, they've been here with us so long now. They they understand like what's inbounds and out of bounds. And okay. every once in a while, I'll get one of those like, "Can we do this?" And I'll be like, <laughs> "I love that." Of course, you can do that. Or sometimes I'm like, "Well, maybe we need to like." What do we tone this part down and make it? But for it, in general, they are really good at kind of you know okay pushing the bounds, but also knowing like where the right places to push are for the wrong places to push are. Uh, is this a fair question? Maybe this is too edgy of a question for the podcast. We can cut this out if you want. Have you ever thought about stepping over the line into showing parts of bodies or anything like, okay, I'm going to show like a little nipple here or anything. Have you ever edged into that or no? No is the short answer. Like it, I mean, I don't, I don't know what that would gain us. It would, it would only probably cause like hardship in terms of like, okay. 
you can't use that imagery in advertising and advertisers who link to a site that has nudity like you, you could you know have all of your ads and you know, your accounts rejected okay so no that hasn't i mean certainly not part of a purposeful strategy but also not something i think we'd venture into okay and have you ever been turned has facebook ever been like okay yeah i saw your post about you know fuck this cupid we got it and they're gonna they're pulling you down or they turned you off temporarily any of that yeah i mean i would say actually you know facebook i think is is one is probably the most like reasonable and sophisticated in terms of like saying hey this is okay but this is too far they are very 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 good at it okay um and i would also say really fair there are a lot of other marketing channels that i would just say i'm like oh my gosh like we can't say that we can't do that. Like, what can we do? Like that's, and, and I, I get it. We push the bounds too, but we also know there are some places where you cannot push the bounds and channels where like, we have to really, really, really tone it back. And like, I'm regularly surprised. I mean, we, I'm going to say this, like, like we send a, a catalog. It's great. I got some here. They're like, they're hilarious. Um, I probably have like, cool. Cool. <laughs> they're funny. They're edgy. Um, but like a large, very large data company is like, well, we can't work with you guys anymore. It's too edgy. Really? And yeah. And that's that's definitely like the extreme exception. Ordinarily, we're just kind of balancing like, okay, this ad was rejected for this reason. We'll go back and edit it. It will be approvable. Um, but that's part of the challenge of like pushing the line and using humor, um, sometimes sexual humor, you know, as part of your like core marketing. Uh, you you, there's a fine line and there's the line that we there are the lines that we impose on ourselves but then there are the you know those are not the lines that everyone plays by it's interesting that it's that picky with some channels meanwhile in the big scheme of things with regards to the internet anybody can pull up a porn clip in seconds <laughs> you know right. so so Google and the United States and the feds or whoever, they let that flow on the internet freely. In fact, I read a stat the other day that porn was like uh, 30% of all searches flowing into Google related to porn. And they let that flow. And by the way, it's on Twitter too. You can, you can pull up nudity on Twitter anytime you want. Um, but yet you guys will like say something in your content and somebody's like giving you a hard time. It's like, what? what? Really? <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, look, we're not trying to alienate people. We are a for-profit business that is trying to be bigger all the time. We are, you know, yeah. Yeah. The, the wrong thing for us to do would be to piss people like everyone off to the point where they're like, okay, I will never visit That's that. Site. I don't like that That's brand. True. I want to yeah. report yeah. them. So I don't see their ads like that would work against us. So we do self-police ourselves a lot. Gotcha. But you just have people who have like, you know, I would say extremely conservative uh, tastes and who will say that like any image with underwear on it is porno tantamount like pornography. <laughs> like, okay, I guess you haven't seen like most. Uh, I guess you haven't uh, came out of the cave in a while. So <laughs> uh, you right. You're 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 uh, highlighting how old I am. I remember I'm 55. So when I was a kid and a teenager, teenager, there was no internet. And man, we'd get those Sears robot catalogs in. We'd get those catalogs. We'd go to the bra section. You know, me and my brother would be like, look at that one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know. And I think what I think one year we we you know on the backs of like these types of mailers it'll say like uh for the home of 1608 drive or whatever like that. Like, we'll sometimes put like you can probably find this under your kid's mattress at oh oh that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, for the primary bathroom of the address. Uh, <laughs> I love that. Uh, uh, do you get do you get any um, super uh, religious conservative moms groups? I'm, I'm, I shouldn't have highlighted moms in general, but do you get any Karens? You get any Karens like, oh my God, your brand. La, la, la. You get you get some of that. I think every brand probably gets that for one reason or another. I mean, we we certainly do. We have over time gotten people who are like staunchly opposed, which is 
we actually is okay. Like we don't want to oppose, we don't want like to alienate a, you know, huge, huge tranches of the public or we're trying to be a big business, but like, we really believe that brands in the middle, that's kind of where you go to die. So if you're not like really, really potentially pissing some people off, you're also not really making certain people absolutely love you. Good point. And what ends up happening is that you know, every once in a while, somebody will, will have a, a you know, Karen type moment yep. and they'll say something and you wouldn't believe the number of people who kind of rush in to be like, okay, chill out. Like this brand's hilarious. Lighten up. Like, yeah, lighten up. you have, because we have those like really devout customers, the people who love the, like, you know, the comedy, the humor, the lightheartedness of it. Um, you have those people really step up and express how much they love it as a result, as a reaction to the people who yeah. really do not like it. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Very good. What are your thoughts on this could be a rabbit hole, but I want to get this in here based on that kind of topic. What, what is your personal belief on cancel culture or the ability of people to just cancel groups or cancel brands or cancel a person and social media channels, just turning people off because they don't agree with that narrative. What are your thoughts, Jens? Do you want to comment on it? It's a, it's a loaded question. So I don't want to, I don't want to rush into it. Um, It's a a tough one. You know, it's such a, it's such a case by case basis. And generally I feel like as a population, like uh, there's probably in a lot of cases, some truth to the reason, you know, cancel culture exists. There always is, is a good reason behind that. But I think oftentimes like, the story is more complex um and don't get me wrong i think there are absolutely people who've been canceled who i'm like absolutely cancel those people like what they did was completely out of line but what what does concern me is when you know people see or hear one thing they don't get the full story you know there's there's obvious like vents in in different media and or sometimes we, we may not get the whole story I'm, I'm saying that like, you know, I'm, the Kanye West thing was a fairly recent thing. And like, he said some, he, he said a lot of objectively terrible, super cancelable things. And I was like, this guy also has like mental health problems. Like yeah. this is, yeah. I, I don't know that we should be giving this guy the soapbox for this type of stuff. Like he's having a moment. Um, I also like, and so I'm like, okay, I, I really, I hate what he's saying. I, I, in some ways maybe he should be canceled, but this is also a person who's not mentally stable. Like we got to, do something a little different mm. for that. Um, uh, very, very complex topic. Um, generally, like when I feel like people have betrayed my trust or betrayed the people's trust, I'm like, you got to face the consequences. Um, so I think in general, there's truth to those things, but I just would, you know, push everyone to try to be as fully informed on every topic as possible. Cause often, Mm-hmm. or what you think you know there might be some more to it and in some cases there just isn't there just is not it's such a case-by-case basis but yeah you know people just read the headlines right nobody reads anymore i mean nobody nobody reads the paragraph they read the headline and then they rush to judgment yeah. it's so true i don't i don't know how many times i have put out a post and i'll have a headline and then i'll have maybe a paragraph right and somebody will say something to me making a judgment on it because they disagree and I'll go and I'll come back to them. I'll be like, did you read the entire post? Because your point is addressed in paragraph two. Yeah, but no, that, you, that's, you, you know, <laughs> that's so valid. Or like, I don't know, like we had this, this print and someone emailed about it. It's a, it's a Valentine's day print. And it's of like, you know, you go to like CVS or Walgreens and you like walk in and there's the Valentine's day aisle, right? That rotating aisle that always has the next like season. Yeah. two months early yeah. and it's filled with like chocolates and like you know those cheesy teddy bears and things like that right yeah. yep and we have this print with like teddy bears in in different sexual positions uh <laughs> and you know we're like, oh that's like very much like you know uh, you uh, see those like date movies where the you know guy on the date wins the teddy bear and hands it to the girl or like you know it's that a cheesy ironic gift that people give at valentine's day to their loved uh their, their significant other yeah. and somebody wrote in there like oh my gosh this is like 
basically the equivalent of what Balenciaga was trying to do. Uh, and like, basically is trying to get like kids and their teddy bears. Look at like, Oh, I see <laughs> of, of grown adults. And I was like, Oh my gosh. Like that's, that's so not the in- intent or inspiration. Let me guess. You had to take it, them down. You had to take the display down. <laughs> no, we don't, we, we disagree with that comment, but that's, that's like one of those things where people can come at the same issue from very different points of view. Yes, 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 yes. I don't, I don't know how we will wrap that particular topic up with, um, I would say in general, I don't know how we got so sensitive. I, I blame social media, actually, like the sensitivity of people and, you know, I got my feelings hurt or I'm offended. That, in my opinion, is just completely out of hand. I mean, we it has gotten completely out of hand. It's like, damn, I wouldn't want to be a comedian. What if you were a comedian for a living? Like, what are you going to say? You can't say anything. Somebody's going to be offended. <laughs> it's fascinating. I feel like I almost feel like the comedians have like started to figure out how to like take it back. You know, like <laughs> Dave, started- like when Dave Chappelle was basically in you know, cancel culture court, and like, yeah, yeah, it's like. And Netflix, you know, had to step up and give their opinion on it. Like, yes, yes. I, no, I don't envy. I feel like they they have to toe a very, 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 very fine line that I don't envy. Um, yeah, but yeah, yeah. I mean, my, people are we're polarized. People take things, you know, very seriously. I know, um, maybe I, more seriously than in the past. I, I, they definitely do, and I think everybody. My advice to everybody, anybody yeah. listening is, just calm down. Just, just calm down. <laughs> just relax. Like, like. Look, and I, I kind of touched on this earlier. Do you have food, water, shelter, love, a car to drive? Okay, when you open your fridge, is there a beer in there? Okay, cool. Stop, like, letting your entire day getting blown up because somebody on Twitter said something that hurt your feelings. Like, please, man, get over yourself. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, everything, so many things have become, you know, highly biased or politicized, and I think the way that, you know, messages and media gets distributed too has this kind of um, yes. self-selecting bias to it where like yes. Yes. the more you absorb types of content, the more you get served that types of content. Yes. And it just creates this like this cycle where you see more of the stuff that you tend to agree with. Um, yep. Yep. And, you know, I always try to do this to myself. It, it's, it can be very hard, but like something to say, okay, this is what I think about this, but you know, just try, I'm going to try to like take the contrarian opinion and say like, what, well, why could I have, why could my opinion on this be wrong? Yeah. How might someone else take this? And, you know, it's a hard exercise. It's an important one. Um, not always right on it. Sometimes you take the, that opinion. You're like, okay, I just disagree with that. Or sometimes you take it and you're like, actually, maybe we should think about that. Like that's a reasonable, you know, viewpoint that someone else is going to take how can we you know change what we do today to you know to be better for more people but i just i hope a lot of people will either like search out more unbiased uh factual mm-hmm. sources of information or at least you know kind of say like hey maybe i disagree with but is there any truth in the message on the other side are there you know elements or nuggets of that that i should taking my viewpoint or at least acknowledging the bias that that we yep. all inherently have or in the media that we tend to consume well said my friend or at least and at least at least try to understand at least ask some questions and listen and try to understand and most importantly just because your friend sitting with you at the bar having a beer thinks the color purple is better than the color green like you can still be friends you can still have a beer it's it's fine. <laughs> yeah. I mean, even the, the people I get, I, I'm closest with Chris, my like business wife, business husband, basically yeah. my actual wife, we don't agree on every single topic. Like right. that's just not the way humans are wired, but you have to be able to like, you know, separate differences of opinions from like, you can't take those things personally. And you're going to say, like, Hey, we aren't going to agree on everything. That's totally fine. We agree on most things. We agree on the important things. Um, yep. and that's okay. That's, that's totally natural. Yep, totally agree, man. Well said, my friend. Jens, I hey, you, you, your brand is awesome. I mean, I just you know want to wrap this up. I know we're out of time. The brand is so unique and special to the marketplace. You know what you're doing really is different. You know, everybody always wants to be 
how can I differentiate myself in the marketplace? And not only is it great clothes, great designs, great feel, great quality, but the it's fun, it's entertaining. Your the people that buy your product feel like they're part of a group. Uh, and you've been doing it for nine years now. I mean, congratulations, man. Thank you very much. That means a lot. Uh, we put a ton of hard work and effort into making the brand memorable, special, funny. Um, and so it's really nice to be acknowledged for that. Thank you very much. Appreciate you being on the show, my friend. We'll talk again soon. Likewise. Thanks so much, Steve. Thank you.